Great, good morning everybody. It's a lovely time of worship, wasn't it? Love to sing that amazing grace and uh, well done Katie and the band. Just having a little drink, eh? Well done. I'd like us to turn this morning to um, 1 Corinthians. If you're new here, when the Bible says 1 Corinthians, it's one of Paul's letters and the, written to the church in Corinth. So we're having a look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Now the elders have asked me if I'd speak about this, um, this subject today. To be honest, it's a, it's a massive subject and all I can do is just to give some outlying principles, really just scratch the surface. And uh, so we're going to read the passage, which is um, it's about the body of Christ. If you wanted a title for today, um, you could call it Unity with Diversity. Unity with Diversity. And it's about the body of Christ. That's what they've asked me to speak on. Let's, uh, let's read from verse 7, and we'll be reading quite a long reading we'll be reading right through to verse 31 it says now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to one is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so that is to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is, made up, is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not, long, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of a body, And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. 
And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Let's just pray and then we'll dig into this passage. Father, I want to thank you for this dear crowd of people here. And we thank you for your word. And we acknowledge that coming to your word, we really need your help to bring illumination and light and understanding. And we ask you that you would open up this like a loaf of bread being sliced up and broken open. That you would take this word and bring it. I pray that you would apply it to people and teach us from this word. And I pray most of all that you would draw near to us and that Jesus would be glorified today as we look into this word. I pray that in his wonderful name. Amen. Well, we're having a look at a series called City on a Hill, and it's a church, which is a city set on a hill. And in the Bible, there are many metaphors for the, for the church. We've touched on some of them, the temple of God, the people of God, the army of God. And there are other things, which is like the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. And this passage is on the body of Christ. And I understand in the context of the passage, it clearly is talking about spiritual gifts in this passage. Now, I'm going to make it much wider than spiritual gifts today. I've talked with the elders about that. It would be, I'm I'm not going to do spiritual gifts. They've actually asked me if I'd do a series on spiritual gifts, which would be an evening. And they'll talk to you about that later on. But we'll be looking in detail and getting you actually moving in spiritual gifts. That's later on. But I I want this to be wider, so it's it's all of gifts. I'll just move that microphone down. It's actually all of gifts, not just spiritual gifts. So that's what we're looking at. As I said, we'll only be scratching the surface. And in many ways, it's a very, very simple concept. The body of Christ is diversity with unity. And the reason it's simple is because we all have bodies. They're all different shapes and sizes, I know, but we all have bodies. And so we all understand bodies, all of us. We understand to some extent, some better than others. Some of the medical staff understand very well how the body works. And uh, dummies like me understand little bits. But um, no, we we understand how our our bodies work. So it's not complicated, but it is absolutely profound. The theme is unity with diversity. And I want to make four points. Two of them are negative and two are positive. And the first is this. The first negative is this. That in the body of Christ, which is the church, there is no inferiority. In verse 15 it says, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't count. I'm not important. 
It would be absolutely ridiculous today if my foot should say, because I'm not a hand, my hand here today is turning the pages of the Bible, picking up my glasses, picking up my drink. Now, my foot could say, well, because I'm not doing a showy part, I don't belong. I'm of no value at all. That would be absolutely absurd. We'd all laugh. And yet that can happen in church life. People can say, oh, I'm of no value. People can feel sorry for themselves. Oh, I've been left out. When it came to the gifts, I was left out. No, that's not true. That is not biblical and it is not true. It's a lie. And it says in verse 15, he said, It is God who's placed the parts in the body, every one just as he wanted them to be. And so if we grumble, say, oh, I've been left out, we're actually moaning at God because he's placed the parts where he wanted them to be. And if we say, oh, no, 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 it's not, no, no, it actually can be self-pity. Do you know what self-pity is? Self-pity is pride. Tim Keller said this. He says that, that boasting is pride celebrating its success. Self-pity is pride bemoaning its failure. I'm no use, I'm no good. No, no, no. Let's not have pride Let's not have lying. There's no inferiority. Secondly, not only is there no inferiority, but there is no superiority. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. My eye can't possibly say to my hand, I don't need you. My eye can read the passage, can look at you, can see you, can see my lovely wife. But if it was just my eye, if my eye was to say to my hand, we don't need you today, I would be lost because I need my hand to turn the pages, to pick up my glasses, to take a drink. It's stupid. We don't even think like that. A runner, an athlete, he needs his feet, he needs his eyes to see where he's going, he needs his lungs, he needs every part of his body. He doesn't think, oh, I don't need my left leg today. I don't need my right ear. I don't need my teeth. You know, I'll leave them behind. You don't even think like that. Yet in the body of Christ, sometimes people can see that, think like that. Sometimes people can be superior. We don't really need you. Some people can be self-sufficient where we need nobody. We don't need help. I know it all. Thank you very much. I don't need your help. I knew a leader of a church once. And he was self-sufficient. He didn't really need anybody else. In a sense, he, he knew it all. And what happened was that he found that gifted people actually distanced themselves from him because he knew it all. He didn't need anybody. Somebody said to me this. They said that actually God builds vulnerability into us so that we know that we need other people. I know I need other people. I know I need a lot of other people. There should be no superiority. And this gifted, or this leader who was In his own mind, he was really self-sufficient, very, very gifted person. What he did, he isolated good people. He ended up not being able to build a team of people because no one felt valued. No one felt wanted. They I can do it all. Well, you don't need me. And so many people left. And he ended up with just a very, very weak team. On the contrary... I was listening to a magnificent sermon the other day. It was the the year I got saved in 71. And it was Billy Graham preaching in Chicago. It was magnificent. 
They had this crusade, and it was due to finish on the 10th of August. And there were hundreds of people being saved. And they said, we cannot stop. We cannot stop having these services. And so they decided that they were in Chicago. They had this massive auditorium that they could rent it till the end of August. And they rented it till the end of August. And they saw droves and droves of people being saved. It was terrific. You thought, wow. Now, at the start of his ministry, Billy Graham, when he was gathering a team, he wrote to Cliff Barrows. He spoke to Cliff Barrows and he said, I'd like you to come and join my team. Now, Cliff Barrows was a well-established evangelist in his own right, and he was doing quite well. And for him, it was quite a decision. But what changed it for him was this, that Billy Graham said, I need you. We can do it together. And he talked about us and we and together. I need you. And Billy Graham says, I have one gift. That's it. That's all I have is one gift. I can call people forward. I need you. And because this guy felt so included, he left his ministry and he joined Billy Graham. And the world has known the impact of Billy Graham and Cliff Burrows and Bev Shea and the others. The world has known. Because there was somebody who dared to believe, I'm just part of a body, I'm just one thing, I'm not the whole thing. I need you. I need you. You may look at me and think, well, you don't need you. (laughs) I need you, we need one another. The other night, I had a pain in a muscle in my leg I never even knew was there. It was cramp in the middle of the night. There's a tiny muscle at the back there. Someone can tell me what it's called. But it, was, it, it wasn't my hamstring. or the, It was a tiny muscle there. And it, it knotted up my mouth. I was awake half the night. And you suddenly realize how important little pieces are in the body of Christ. And we all need one another. We're vital. If my tooth hurts, my whole body hurts. If you hurt, then the whole body hurts. If... There's no room for inferiority. There's no room for superiority. We don't need you. I don't need you. I can do it all. Oh, oh, can you? God builds in vulnerability so that we know that we need people. And And actually, vulnerability in the end, it builds a team because you say, I need you. I'm not self sufficient. I can't do it all myself. There's no inferiority. There's no superiority. They're the negatives. What about the positives? Well, the positives are these. Two of them. The first verse we read and the last verse we read. The first verse says this. Now to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. In other words, what God is saying, that he has gifted everyone who is in Christ, every single one is gifted. And the reason they're gifted is for the common good, for the good of all. Not just, it's not just about me and my gifting. Make way for my gifting. Sometimes I, wear, I wish the word ministry was changed to service. It's got a different feel. Sometimes people come to a church and say, where can I express my ministry? You say, well, you can help in the children's work and serve there. No, I've I've got a music ministry. 
And they forget that the word ministry, it actually means serve. And someone came and said, look, where can I serve? How can I serve? It's got a different feel to where can I exercise my ministry? To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. And it's a gifting which God has given you for the common good, of which, the Bible tells us, we will be accountable. There's a day we'll be accountable. I love the reading that Francis brought. You've numbered all my days. You know how how many days? He said, what did he say, 30,000 or however many it was, days? Not many. And God has numbered all of our days. We will give an account. I will give an account for gifting I have. What did you do with your talent? You buried it and lost it? Or did you invest it for the body of Christ? I will be 